0: Morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Have you ever won anything? My wife's mom, I think somebody bought her a scratch ticket or something. She won $50,000 once. And I know someone recently who won a million dollars. Have you ever won a race? Anybody ever race, do, you know, marathons, triathlons, or anything like that? You know, to win a gold medal is a a very difficult thing. I've never done it. I've not tried to do it. But to the winner, someone who wins a gold medal, um, it's an incredible achievement. See, they put their eye on the prize and then they do everything in their power to achieve the goal. Uh, They don't let anything stand in the way. And so as a result, a great deal of sacrifice is necessary in order for a person to go that far and to win a gold medal. I wanted to read this quote um, from Faith I Live By, page 364. Ellen White said, I want to tell you that heaven is worth winning. It should be the aim of your life, to fit yourself for association with the redeemed, with holy angels and with Jesus, the world's redeemer. If we could have but one view of the celestial city, we would never wish to dwell on earth again. And that's the title of the message today, One View. Uh, Let's have a short prayer. Lord, it's a privilege to uh, come before you and to open your word. As we do that, we claim your promise that you'll give us wisdom liberally without reproach to those who ask in faith. Uh, We do that now, and I ask, Lord, that you'd speak through me and that hearts and minds would be open to hear from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, just the condition of the world with all the crime, the suffering, the violence, you know, the threat of war. um, It's enough to make a person want to be in heaven. Would you agree? Um, But there's more. There's more to it than just escaping um, what is happening all around us in the world. You know, we, we we naturally adjust to... And become accustomed to the way things are. And that's not a good thing uh, always. Um, And what happens when we get accustomed to all of the violence and crime and the suffering and the unrest and everything else you see in the world. Is we can lose sight of the heavenly kingdom. Because this uh, world unfortunately can become our home. And it's not our home. Pastor Gill read that our citizenship is where? In it's in heaven. That's right. That's right. But if we could have but one view of the heavenly city, we would never wish to dwell on earth again. That's really a, a remarkable statement. It should be the aim of our lives to be fit for association with those that are in heaven. With the saved, the holy angels, uh, Jesus who died for us. And, and so I want to talk a little bit about this heavenly home. If you would go to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14. And there's Bibles there in the pews. I encourage you to look up these verses yourself because faith comes by. Hearing and, the hear, and hearing by the word of God. And you don't just want to listen to me. You want to look for yourself. John chapter 14. And Jesus is speaking. And he says this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Many mansions. If it were not so, Jesus said, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and receive you unto myself. Notice this, that where I am, where Jesus is, there ye may be also. So don't be troubled. Trust in God. Uh, Put your faith in him. He has many dwelling places. He's gone to prepare one especially for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And I think it's safe to say that... um, when you see your heavenly dwelling place that God has made, you'll say, oh, this is exactly the way I would have done it. It'd be just right for you. And he's coming again uh, very soon. The Bible tells us that. And we can be together with Jesus. So um, let's go to Revelation. I want to look at a description of the new Jerusalem, that holy city. So we're going to go to Revelation. Does anybody know what chapter we're going to go to? 21, chapter 21, and we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, We're going to go to, to Revelation 21, and I'll begin reading in verse 2. Revelation 21, 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Isn't that good news? And God shall what? Wipe away away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Now go to verse 10. 21 verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the twelve gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Verse 13, On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 16, And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall there of and hundred and forty and four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear crystal. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a Chaldonia, the fourth and emerald, the fifth, Sardinx, and the sixth, Sardis, the seventh, chrysolite, the the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, a <laughs> jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst. I had a hard time there. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was what? Pure gold as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did light in it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now Revelation 22, we're just going to read, Um, A few verses from beginning in verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, for they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Praise the Lord. So, sounds great, right? Precious stones and and we're going to be with the savior forever, no more pain or suffering or death. But here's the question: Is there room for you and for me? Is the city large enough for the saved of all ages? So, Carl Hobb, he's he's part of a nonprofit population reference bureau. And he calculated, or they calculated, that as as of 2011, the total number of people that had ever lived was approximately 107 billion. 107 billion. That's a lot of people, isn't it? I'm going to try to advance this. Let's see what's going on here. All right. All right. So, Colossians, um, what is that, 3 2? It says, Set your minds on things above, not on the things of earth. So, we're going to set our minds here for a moment on things above. The Bible tells us that this holy city, the New Jerusalem, uh, the foundation is laid out as a square, and it's between 1,400 and 1,500 miles around. So, that's about. 350 to 375 miles on each side, or 122,500 square miles. And that actually equates to 78,400,000 acres. So that's a lot of acres, right? 78 million acres. So to put it in perspective, the state of Oregon is 63 million acres. So the, the Holy City has 15 million more acres, just the foundation, just the first floor. It's massive. It's larger than the state of Oregon. And the population of Oregon is about 4 million people. And there's lots of open space in Oregon. So heaven is, is large enough to fit not millions of people, but billions of people. If you, give, if you gave every person alive today, there's about 7.3 billion people alive today. If you gave every person a quarter acre, they could all fit in Australia. Just to give you an idea of that, we could take everyone on the planet, give them a quarter acre, they'd fit in Australia. We really are spread out. Yes, there are some very congested areas of the world, but this is big. So the Bible tells us that not only is uh, the New Jerusalem a square, it's a cube because it's as high as it is wide and deep, okay? It's as high as it is wide and deep. Let me see if I have a picture there. This is an artist's rendition. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. Its length, breadth, and height Are equal. That's right from the Bible. And so in Revelation 21 16, it it talks about this. We just read that. And so when you do a little bit of math, if you were to say that a story is 10 feet high, and I think that's pretty average, but you know, God's going to do things on a bigger scale. But let's say that a story is 10 feet high. This cube would have 154,000 floors, 154,000 stories. I mean, it's so massive that we, we really can't wrap our minds around how big it is. I don't know exactly how God is going to do it. We, we can just take scriptures like this and do the very best that we can to imagine. But remember, if we had one view of the celestial city, we would not want to spend another moment here. It's how great it is. Each story could hold 78 million people. And there's 154,000 stories. And you know, of course, Carl uh, Hobbes' figure of 107 billion people, you know, we don't know how accurate that is. We, we know that he studied it and used population records and genealogies, etc. Um, but if it's remotely accurate... Every person who ever lived could live in the city and have plenty of room. Plenty of room. You know, in the beginning, heaven appeared as God originally intended. Look at this building here. Uh, This is in United Arab Emirates in Dubai. It's the tallest building in the world. I don't think anyone's built one bigger since 2010. Um. But it's 2,722 feet tall. It's, it's very, very big. This, the holy city will just... This is a joke in comparison to what God has done. But this is man's best work, you know, as far as buildings that stand straight up uh, in height. So, you know, when God created the, the garden for Adam and Eve, talks about this garden, and... You know, I've seen some very nice gardens. This is a pretty garden, isn't it? I'd like to have that in my backyard. Um, but the one that God made, you know, this is this pales in comparison to what God has created, and what He's going to create. You know, uh, generations of sin have really marred the landscape. But this is a modern garden here. It's very pretty. But it doesn't compare. It's unimaginable how gorgeous the garden that God created was. If you remember, we're told by inspiration that when the first leaf fell, it was equivalent to a person dying to Adam and Eve. It was devastating. And so again, um, God is so high above us, and his ways are so high above our ways that we really uh, are not able to imagine how great uh, heaven is going to be. You know, and and the earth contained birds of every species, and I love birds, and I look at some of these birds, and I look at the colors, and of course the clicker acts up when I... Don't want it to. I look at these colors of these birds. You know, we were on vacation years ago and our twins were real small. And at the place we were staying, they had these big cages and all these tropical birds. And they were amazing, just amazing. But imagine uh, what the original was like and what it's going to be like in heaven when God recreates, okay? These are breathtaking birds, but God has something better in mind. And Genesis talks about a river that watered that garden, right? Um, And it split into four river heads. And you know that those rivers were incredibly beautiful. And so we, you know, we could look at some pretty rivers here. That water is very clear. I've scuba dived in a river in Florida. It was like scuba diving in a bottle of Poland spring water. It was absolutely clear. The fish were big. I mean, the turtles were big. And it was fresh water. It was 100% spring-fed this river and it was amazing but god has something better in mind even than that i'd like to just dive in that river there that that looks fun looks very clear so heaven is worth waiting for um the greatest of all blessings would be that we would be able to be in the kingdom with jesus right to be with our savior um with Jesus dwelling amongst us. So what is happening? Where where do we find ourselves today? So our scripture reading, our citizenship is in heaven. And what exactly does that mean? There's a picture of my passport. Um, And when I travel outside the country, I use my passport. And, you know, you're, you approach the custom agent or he, approach, he or she approaches you and you give the passport. And in the passport, it tells your name and your date of birth, where you were born. That's important. Uh, who your parents are or were. Your physical description. You know, uh, recently when I was traveling, the, the, the agent went like this. and He held it up next to my face to see if I was the same person you know, in that picture that fits that description. Um, It gives my physical description, my physical address here in the United States. And when I went to Hyderabad in India, um, I, I handed my passport and they looked it over. And then they said, welcome to Hyderabad, Mr. Milano. They said they recognized me as not being from their country, but being from the United States. And so I was welcome there in their country. And so if you have a passport, um, some important information is contained in yours as well. So your name, and in Revelation 2 and verse 17, the Bible tells us that Jesus will give his people, those who overcome, a new name. You're going to have a new name. And your place of and date of birth, and in John chapter 3, Jesus talks about the new birth experience, right? Being born again. And he says, if you're not born again, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Mentions who your parents are, that passport does. Galatians 3.26, it tells us this, for you are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. New parents. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 talks about the physical description that's listed in your passport. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? A new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so as sons and daughters of God, we have a new description. Um, The old ways are gone and behold, which means to look closely at, all things have become new. Your passport contains your home address. My passport has my home address in it. Well, Philippians 3.20, our scripture reading. Says that your citizenship, your home address, is in heaven. As fully surrendered Christians, trusting daily in a Redeemer, in Jesus, your home address is in heaven. And that's a guarantee. His promises are so trustworthy that you can take that to the bank, so to speak. So you have a new name, a new birth, new parents, a new home address, a new description. According to the Bible, who is the ruler or the God of this world? Satan is. That's right. So John twelve thirty one, John fourteen thirty, John sixteen eleven, and Second Corinthians four four. 2 Corinthians four four tells us that Satan is the lowercase God of this world. And so, remember what I just said about our citizenship is in heaven. If we are fully surrendered Christians trusting daily in Christ as a redeemer. If we're not doing that, is our citizenship in heaven? No, it's not. No, because Satan is the ruler of this world. And if we're living by the flesh instead of by the spirit, we're part of his kingdom. And our home address is here on this earth. Our citizenship is in earth. And it will be in earth and that will be the end. So what will it take to awaken in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, the desire to live as God intended each of us to live, as citizens in heaven? So, you know, remember this quote that I read at the beginning. Let me pull that out, where she says this, heaven is worth winning, it should be the aim of your life to fit yourself for association with the redeemed, with holy angels, and with Jesus, the world's redeemer. That is so important, I believe. So what will it take to awaken a real desire to live eternally with Jesus in the perfect home He's gone to prepare for us in His Father's house? So, We should never allow our motivation to be the reward. That's a mistake. To say, oh, I just want to go to heaven because I can't wait for the reward. That should not be the motivation. What did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments, right? So the motivation for heaven, for eternal life, uh, forsaking sin, has to be the love we have for Jesus. But very clearly, we're told that we are to set our minds on the things of heaven, not we need to have that view of the celestial city, to recognize that although we are accustomed to so many terrible things, because we've been here so long, this is not what God intended for us. What he has in mind for us, if we had one view, we would never wish to dwell on earth again. And so it's very important that we, we read these scriptures, get a mind picture of what God is telling us that heaven is like, but let love be the motivation. In, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, Paul warns of various pitfalls that we as Christians can fall into and sometimes do fall into. And he lists some of them, wrong doctrines, pride, Envy, strife, evil suspicions, the love of money. And then he admonishes us to flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. And he continues and he says in verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on what? Eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow, what, citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That should be our goal. We want to be of the household of God, God. and, you know, Paul, Paul said, I die daily. This is a decision that we make every day to be citizens of heaven. Does that make sense? Okay, great. In James uh, chapter one verse two, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So there will be various trials. I wouldn't be fair to you if I just talked about the golden streets. Without it's not reality to leave out um, what lies between us and those golden streets. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, "In the world ye shall have." tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have what? Overcome the world. And, and so with Christ, we are to become overcomers. So in Revelation 2, here's a little quiz, Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, how many times does Jesus tell us, uh, uses that word overcome? Anybody know? Seven times, that's right. Perfect number, complete number. Seven times we are to be Overcomers, Revelation 2.7, 2.11, 2.26, 2.17, Revelation 3.5, 3.12, 3.21. To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. This is from Our High Calling, page 310. Um, you know, in Ellen White's day, there were no tow trucks. And, and it, I just love the fact that she says what she's about to say. It's it's pretty interesting. Man cannot be towed to heaven. So when I think of towed, I think of of a tow truck, but there were no tow trucks. Man cannot be towed to heaven. He cannot go as a passive passenger. He must himself use the oars and work as a laborer together with God. If you think you can lay down the oars and still make your way upstream, you are mistaken. We won't be towed to heaven. There, there are going to be difficulties, struggles. We have to resist the devil. Uh, these things, these trials are going to come. When difficulties come, when trials and tribulations come, don't slip away, don't throw in the towel. Don't let circumstances take you down or lead you away from Jesus and say, oh, Jesus doesn't love me. I've heard people say that. Bad things happen. Oh, Jesus doesn't love me. And those things are just not true. We've got to be honest with ourselves. By faith, we can become overcomers. And Jesus would not have told us to be overcomers uh, seven times in those two chapters. By the power of his blood, by faith in Jesus, we can become overcomers. And it's a good fight. I want to tell you that heaven is worth winning. When sinful man can discern the inexpressible love of God in giving his Son to die upon the cross, we shall better understand that it is infinite gain, infinite what? Gain to overcome as Christ overcame. And we shall understand that it is eternal loss. If we gain the whole world with all its pleasure and glory and yet lose the soul. Heaven is cheap enough at any cost, she says. That's Review and Herald, March 16th, 1875. So our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. If you're following Jesus with your whole heart, if you're surrendered to him. Your citizenship is in heaven. You're just passing through. You have a job to do, but you're just passing through. Following Christ will require a fight, um, a sacrifice or sacrifices. It will require that we overcome and there will be tribulation. And if we had but one view of the celestial city, we would never wish to dwell on earth again. I'm ready to go on a long trip. How about you? Off of this planet to the heavenly kingdom for a thousand years. How about you? Let's pray. Why don't you kneel if you can? Loving Father, um, we're thankful that Scripture does give us uh, a picture of the new Jerusalem, of the heavenly kingdom, what it's going to be like. Um, We don't have um, all the information. We don't have all the details. But we know that if we had one view, we would want to be off of this planet and in the heavenly kingdom uh, as soon as possible. I believe, Lord, that everybody here has that desire. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you are a forgiving God. You're a God who changes hearts, who erases the record of sin for those that truly repent. And it's a joy to know that we can, on our knees right now, confess our sins and you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that we can be citizens of the heavenly kingdom. Uh, It's a joy to know that our citizenship is in heaven. Um, We're thankful for that. That's where we desire to be. But we know, Lord, that there's some things that have to be done that we have to do, that you have to do, uh, that have to take place on this planet before we can go home, before you come to take us home. And so, Lord, by the blood of Jesus, by his grace, his love, and his sacrifice, we desire to be fit for the heavenly kingdom. Lord, empower us, pour out your spirit upon us all. May the Holy Spirit uh, guide us. May he do a work in our hearts that cannot be done otherwise. May we cherish your word and fortify our minds with your word for what lies ahead. Bless each family represented here, each person here, all the young people. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.